Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, it's right in line with the being soon after the Oscars. Um, although obviously um, the show itself the, wasn't wasn't a big hit. Um, in fact, it was the lowest audience, um, lowest television numbers uh, in six years. But um, but some, the movies, especially the ones up for best picture really had uh, included some stellar movies. And um, so, in light of that, I thought we would talk today about the effect in general that drama um, on screen, on stage, has on all of us. You know, it's, it's a story that we're watching and listening to, but really um, it has an impact on our lives. So today's show is called Adults Behaving Badly on Stage, on Screen, and Off. And um, my guests today are all involved in a very dramatic <laughs> um, production that is taking place uh, right now at the Malibu Playhouse. The show is called God of Carnage, a comedy about adults behaving badly. And um, the uh, this illustrates the fact that whether it's an Oscar-nominated film on the big screen or a play in intimate theater, it leaves footprints on our hearts. And our unconscious mind is like a video camera, and it's recording um, our experiences, whether they are experiences we're watching on the movie screen or on the stage, or experiences in our own lives. And so... um, it's really, you know, it's, it's really important to acknowledge to ourselves and be fully present when we're watching things, um, whether it is to ward off things like, um, you know, like um, um, violence that doesn't have a purpose, or whether it's to think about our lives in greater detail. And certainly this play, God of Carnage, is one that makes us think about our lives. So my guests today are Graham Clifford. He is the director and producer of God of Carnage. A. Martinez plays Michael Novick, and Kathleen Dunn plays Veronica Novak. And they take the audience on a roller coaster ride of emotions. And so, why don't we start with you, Graham? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Um, you know, I, I think it probably would be, well, first of all, I, I'll let you sort of comment just generally before we get into the plot of Guard of Carnage, um, I'd like you to, to just, you know, from your, uh, from, I, I must say that all of these, Graham has an incredibly in, illustrious career, both um, in film and on stage. For example, I mean, we'd be here for the whole show if I told you all of his award-winning credits, but for example, um, Francis, an Oscar, uh, that won Oscar nominations for Jessica Lange and Kim Stanley. That was um, one of his earliest um, sh- movies, and then he also was involved with the cult hit The Rocky Horror Picture Show. He has a million television credits, including For the People and the mi- miniseries of Mario Puzo's The Last Dawn, and on and on. So, Graham, um, what did you 
I mean, what did you think about what I was just saying and the impact of drama on screen and on stage? Well, I, I think uh, personally, I, I picked up on the story aspect of what you were saying because drama, in, in all its forms, are, are basically stories and storytelling. But uh, uh, was around before language came out, came along, and so storytelling has been has been the heart and soul of how people have learned about themselves and about other people and about other places and emotions. And so I think that storytelling is integral to us as human beings and how we grow up, which is why I'm always distressed when I hear that school districts are cutting down on the arts and taking away music instruction and theater and uh, all of that stuff because, because to me, that's as important as, as, as arithmetic, English, and you know, the three R's. Yes. <laughs> so, so I think that story, story is at the root of everything. Yes, that's absolutely. Well, why not, well, okay, <laughs> that leads right into why don't you give us um, sort of an overview of the story? Uh, no spoilers, uh, of course, yes. but um, an overview of the story of God of Carnage. Well, without spoiling, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't believe in spoilers, so I mean, I'll avoid all of that. I mean, that, actually, I mean, because it's God. not really. It's not really. You know, it's not really one. Thing that you could say yeah, that would be spoiling. It's for I can. I hope you can hear me, okay? Because I'm standing out in a field on a cell phone. So, um, <laughs> but um, but um, um, God of Carnage is essentially very simple. It's about two couples who have come together at one of the couple's houses to discuss uh, an altercation that's taken place between their two 11-year-old boys um, after school on the, in the park. Um, and uh, one of the boys has hit the other boy in the face with a bamboo rod and broken two of his teeth. So that brings the parents together to amicably and politely discuss how to deal with this and how to get the boys together to talk about their altercation. And pretty pretty soon, the parents start to be start to behave probably worse than their children did in the park. And um, and things get completely out of hand, and uh, and we, and you, we recognize ourselves in these four people. I mean, they beha- they behave badly. It's it's adults behaving badly, and um, but it doesn't take much to get them off track. Surprisingly, little gets them off track, and they start screaming at one another and making up and then screaming at one another and then making up and going around in circles. And finally, um, the, the final line of the play, which A has as Mike Novak, Michael Novak, is what do we know? Which basically sums up the full circle of what they've been through. And, um, and we all know what we've been through and we all know what's right and wrong, but we still do it. Yes, and of course, at the begin here they start out trying to be so civilized, and um, little by little, as the evening goes on, um, they become the savages that um, you know the one, the one boy who hit the other boy with the stick, um, you know, is, is thought to be by the couple, by the parents of the boy who was hit. So it, it, you know, it. it starts out with this simple premise and then you see all the difference that there are two sides to it that it really wasn't just 
that this one boy, you know, was in the wrong because um, completely in the wrong, and that the other boy did nothing. And one of the mother, and one of the mothers, one of the mothers, once she finds out that there's more to this tale than meets the eye, she really doesn't want to know right. <laughs> what what began the whole thing because it's beginning to show her son in a bad light, and she thought her son was the victim. So right. everything gets turned on its head, and Kathleen plays that mother. Yes. Okay, well, should we go to um, <laughs> to the next uh, guest? I mean, I, all right, well, why don't we go to Kathleen? Kathleen, um, welcome to the show. Hi, um, Carol. Kathleen is also a very accomplished actress, and... Um, she has been in lots of different uh, theaters in um, theater productions, theatrical productions, and uh, she's also a dialect coach at USC. Her theater credits include Nerissa in the L.A. Women's Shakespeare production of The Merchant of Venice, but there are many, many more um, theatrical productions that she was in as well. So, Kathleen Dunn, welcome to the show. Thank you. What... Um, what you know? I know that you all um, talked about these characters. It's so interesting because these characters are so rich, and they seem to be. You know, we get a first impression of each of them, and we think we know them. Um, and then, of course, all these things come out layer by layer, and we realize that um, there's a lot more underneath them. So, how did you? How did you um, see? your character as the mother of the supposed victim. How did I, I'm sorry, see my character? Yes, how did you envision your character? How um, did you? Actually, I didn't set out to envision. I guess maybe perhaps I, 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 read, through, I read through the play several times to get, get the relationships and what I said to people and what people said to me and what actions were taking place in the script. Um, so I don't have really a sub uh, subjective view of, you know, who Veronica is. I, I, by experiencing her, I know that maybe perhaps she carries a mask at the beginning, and at the end she becomes maybe somebody she fears the most, that she changes the most in the fact that, what she believes at the beginning <laughs> and wants to so so perfectly hold on to becomes something at the end that she never wanted to become in the first place. And she sees a part of herself I don't think that she really likes. Yes, because she starts out as being the most proper one. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Very and perfect. And when... You fight against that. Well, you know, when you want to be perfect, a lot of times it just goes, it falls apart. <laughs> right. And uh, and that's what happens with her. And she's challenged. Her views are challenged. I mean, definitely um, uh, the the actor Nick Stabile, um, who plays Alan, is a lawyer that is really conflicting with her point of view of the world and values and morals. And to have somebody be in her living room that's like that, um, is appalling to her, mm -hmm. um, and how she deals with him is 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 a part of the journey of seeing his point of view and not accepting his point of view, or does she begin to listen to him? You know, so yes, and your character, um, 
Uh, uh, well, there's the sign that uh, <laughs> just hearing the music that we need to take a break. Well, we'll go into that, and we'll, of course we'll hear from A. Martinez when we come back as well and talk about his character. Um, it's, a, it's a play with four, it's two couples, as Graham said, four people um, who, you know, who, each, who are each very different and, and uh, very complex. So you're, we're, we're going to need to take a break now. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Today's show is called Adults Behaving Badly on Stage, on Screen, and Off. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Hey, welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about drama and its impact on us, whether it's uh, on the movie screen or on the stage, you know, the big movie screen, Oscar-winning films, or an intimate stage production like we're currently having at the Malibu Playhouse, where God of Carnage is uh, running, having a very successful run. Um, people are, people are, uh, are, the audience is really responding. I saw it, of course, and um, it was really Really good. You know, before we go to A. Martinez, um, I'd like to go back to Graham Clifford, uh, the the director of the show, because um, I just wanted to, you know, I know that we both saw, and I don't know if A. Um, or uh, if either of you saw the play itself, but before, but um, I know Graham, we were talking about how we both saw it at the Amundsen, and it was so incredibly dreadfully dull. Um, this is a play that's gone all over the world and um, won all kinds of awards, and and yet <laughs> at the Amazon, uh, played on Broadway, it was the third longest running play on Broadway in the 2000s, um, and yet for whatever reason at the Amundsen it was dreadfully dull, and you have made it um, incredibly hilarious, and and um, you know, and of course the audience is responding to it. Um, but, you know, I was reading about the playwright, um, Yasmina Riza, 
who um, has said that she didn't like her plays being considered comedies because she she thought it was um, sort of a tragic comedy, but she didn't like it when people thought it was funny. And yet I think that this salvaged, you know, this made all the difference and, 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 and highlighted the things that she was trying to point out about bourgeois society. Uh, well, I, I didn't. I didn't know she'd said that. I hadn't read that anyway. But I, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think the Armand production was boring or terrible. I just. I just felt that it didn't. It didn't do justice to the play, even though at the time I hadn't read it. I, I, I thought it was. I thought it. I thought it was done in a very broad manner. And so. And so at the at the Malibu Playhouse, or in fact any theatre that size, you can, I, we, we have the opportunity to play it much more intimately, and therefore I was more interested in exploring the characters and what made them tick mm-hmm. than I was in making people laugh. And as, I've, and as I've, although the laughter is important, but and as I've said to, we've all said, the five of us, as we've been making this and putting it together, we've, we've, the humor is there. I mean, you don't have to make the humor, it's there. And mm-hmm. you don't have to play for the humor mm-hmm. for the most part, for the most part, because if you just do it, straight-faced almost, it's hilarious. And you get a chance to laugh at yourself being an audience member because you know this person. I mean, everyone in the audience, if they don't... Every, I guarantee you that every single individual in the audience will, will identify with at least one of those characters, if not two or three. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and so then it, becomes, then it becomes funny, you know? Yeah. Um, but but we have but I, what's interesting to me and what I think is, I think I think what we've done successfully and what the, um, the A and Kathleen and the other two actors have done in a consummate way is dig deeper into the characters and explore what's going on beneath the surface and that's what I felt was missing at the Armisen. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, why don't we go to A Martinez now? Um, a yeah, plays. Um, the uh, char- one of the characters, one of the the husband actually of Kathleen, um, Michael Novak, and um, A is an award-winning um, film, TV, and stage actor. His film credits include Meryl Streep's Gigolo Butler in She Devil. <laughs> That's a great credit. Television yeah. credits include Jacob Nighthorse in Longmire, Cruz Castillo in Santa Barbara. Um, theater uh, title role in Luis Valdez's Bandito at the Mark Taper Forum, and so on and so on. So, A, <laughs> you've been yeah. patiently waiting. Tell, I'm sure you have lots of comments to the various things we've been talking about so far, so start wherever you would like. Well, I just will, will say that um, um, it's great to talk to you, Carol, and I want to give a shout-out to Nick Stabile and Courtney Rackley, who are our castmates who are not here today, but uh, to do anything um, about this play without them in, in attendance feels uh-huh. uh, kind of kind of unique in, a, in an odd way. I, I thought the Amundsen production of it um, uh, was just, just somewhat defined, to some degree defined by the fact that that room is so big mm-hmm. and you have to, um, you know, fill the whole space. It, it sort of imposes a certain style on what you can do there. I've seen so many plays there, and they all have to be um, just a little bit arched to get to the back row. One of the great things about working in the Malibu Playhouse is that there isn't a a seat that feels distant from the stage, so 
you are really in a position to be able to work on an, a level of intimacy that, um, at least in my experience, I've never really been in a better room for actually getting up close to people on stage. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really, really fun to do. And it's uh, particularly wonderful to bite off a, a piece like this that is so challenging um, in the company of uh, such great um, castmates and, and such a great director. Graham uh, told me when uh, when he cast uh, Kathy as um, Veronica that I was going to love working with this actress who's, who is playing my wife. And I realized that a couple of days ago in our Thursday pickup rehearsal, um, I completely forgot to say a line because I was just watching her walk towards me, um, haranguing me. And I just was so amazed with... Uh, how great she was doing it, but I forgot that I was in the play. <laughs> it was a good moment. So tell us about your character. Well, Michael is a is a man who works with his hands. He he had dreams for himself that never came true, and um, he has a profound sense of disappointment in himself, um, and he's trying his best to like get along. Um, his wife has a a conscience, like a sense of morality that he cannot harbor anymore, and it makes him feel inadequate to um, to be in this relationship with her because of that. You know, he's dropped into a certain cynicism that he can't escape, um, so he's in, in a great deal of stress. Mm-hmm. And I really do relate to him. The great thing about getting to play him is the opportunity to just allow yourself to misbehave on a level that in my real life mm-hmm. I fantasize about all the time. Mm-hmm. I hardly <laughs> ever have the nerve or the opportunity <laughs> to actually engage in, you know, these fleeting scenarios that go through your mind, boy, this guy deserves for me to do this to him right now. <laughs> but I you know, I just never get around to doing it. But on stage you get to do it, so it's ridiculously fun. I'll just say that. And there's there's a nice um, uh, sort of uh, con- contretemps, a nice um, uh, well distinctions, or you know, the, well each character is actually distinct, as I was saying before. But but between the two couples, I mean, a how do you see? Like, there's obviously some um, competition, some competitiveness with with the other husband, the husband of the other in the other couple. Um, who you know is sort of um, is a is a very successful lawyer who who is very <laughs> who is always on his cell phone throughout the play, um, and and who's sort of putting you down as far as what it is that you do. Right, right, right. Well, I think Michael is made to feel inadequate um, by glimpsing this guy when he walks into his house. You know, he's he's obviously brazen. He has like a ridiculous amount of self-confidence. He doesn't really care what people think of him, obviously. And um, he just, you know, he's very successful financially and seems very powerful. So it's really Michael's reaction to him first is to be um, intimidated a little bit and, you know, react angrily. But there's a certain point in the in the play where Michael comes to um, realize how magical it is to be a guy who's, that completely um, unabashed about his selfishness, and um, kind of like that about him. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I think he, he sort of ends up 
really appreciating Mag- appreciating him on a really profound level, yeah. which is one of the magic See, I'm things even, about the I'm even laughing listening to way you tell the story. So you come in, uh, <laughs> people people have to come and see this play to realize how funny it really is. <laughs> this um, is true. Yes, Graham, I know that you have to leave at one thirty. so why don't I give you the last... Uh, Last statements for this half well, of the right, show. Right, right, now, right now I'm actually hiding behind a tree. So, if they don't find me, I might be able to stay for another 15 minutes. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, good. Hey, Graham, hey. Hopefully they don't find you. That's if my phone doesn't run out of batteries in the meantime. <laughs> okay. Well, what, what do you think about um, what uh, these two actors have said? Well, I agree absolutely 100% with everything they've said. I mean, it's, they were very eloquent in, in describing what was going on. And I would also like to give a shout-out to um, Courtney and Nick, who can't be with us today, because they, you know, it, it, it is a true, true ensemble production in as much as each character has about equal responsibility in absolutely. the goings-on. And that's not common you know you usually have an ensemble cast and there's and you know one or two characters end up being more prominent than the others but in this in this case it's it's pretty equal right yeah. all the way through and um and and in that respect it's 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 wonderful and it's and but and i've also found it more challenging than i expected i would as as a director yeah, you know, but, with, but, but with people like a and nick and kathleen all of whom i've worked with before and Courtney, whom I had not, but I had ultimate confidence in. We, I, they've pulled it together amazingly, and um, and I just I I go to watch every single performance because I just love to watch them do it, <laughs> <laughs> and it gives me it gives me great pleasure every night to just watch it happen in front of my eyes, and I never get bored watching it. Yes, you know um, this playwright. Um well, did you, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is that the playwright, Yasmina Riza, is, uh, is French, was born in Paris, and this was, of course, as all her plays were produced originally in, in France or in Paris. And, um, and you know, there's a, a slightly different, I mean, I lived in Paris for years, and um, so there's a slightly different, you know, couples coming to meet and talk about this in Paris. Um, is slightly different than in, than in America. I mean, for example, one of the first things I, I noticed is that in America, these two couples would be, the first thing would be lawsuit. You know, the first thing would be that the, that the right. woman, the parent, yeah. particularly the mother of the victim, this, you know, who we think is the victim, um, would be right up there talking about, well, I'm going to sue you for the two broken, the two teeth you knocked out and the nerve that you damaged and so on. And whereas in France, um, that wouldn't be the first thing, and it was, no. and it was really kind of, um, I, I guess it was kind of um, um, taken care of in America in the sense that that the father of, well, the father of the so-called perpetrator, and I know we have to take another break. The father of the perpetrator says early on, um, "I'll chip in." Of course, that's chip in as opposed to suing him for everything and emotional right. stress and all that. Well, we need to take another break, but we will come back. With my guests, we're talking about the play that's on at the Malibu Playhouse called God of Carnage, a comedy about adults behaving badly. My guests are Graham, uh, Graham Clifford, the director-producer, A. Martinez, and Kathleen Dunn, two of the fine 
actors. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about adults behaving badly on stage, on screen, and on off. (laughs) On off, that's good. Um, With my guests who are all involved in making this Super awesome production at the Malibu Playhouse uh, of God of Carnage, a comedy about adults behaving badly. Graham Clifford is the director-producer, A. Martinez is Michael Novak, and Kathleen Dunn is Veronica Novak. So before the break, I was going on about how in, Fr- in France, um, as opposed to America, people where this play was written originally, people wouldn't think of, of suing as quickly as we do in America, where the first words out of... Um, I guess Veronica's mouth might be, uh, or, or or Michael, for that matter, might be. Um, so you know, if you don't do such and such, we're going to sue you. So what what do you have to say about that, Graham? Well, uh, well, first of all, I just want to go off a quick tangent. I want to say that, that I am co-producing this with with Diane Nam, who uh-huh. is uh, my right hand, left hand, as a, as in the producing area. So I wanted to give her a sure. little. Nod, nod, too. But to get back to your question, um, you know, when I first saw this play, I thought it was a period play. Mm-hmm. And then when I read it, I, when I read it, I felt the same thing. And I think I started talking to A about this very early on. 
And um, and it, I, only, I only became, I only realized later, of course, that it's because it's written in France and, and or English. Christopher Hampton did the English translation, and he's about as British as you could ever mm-hmm. get. That, that, that this is the way, I mean, things in Europe are still done on a personal level, and they're still done... Uh, in uh, on on a sociological level, um, in a way that used to that w- which I think used to be the case here. When I go home to Australia, I feel the same thing. My mm-hmm. where, where I was born, I feel like I've stepped back maybe a decade or so, and I think that I think that that's why the play feels like that and why she wrote it like that because that's the way they do do things in yeah. France. I mean, thing, things are still somewhat possibly more civilized than we have become here. But uh, yeah. And technology has taken over here to such an extent that um, life is different. I mean, life moves quicker here for a start, you know. And, and, it, and Kathleen, as, as Veronica does say, what, are we, what were we supposed to do, sue you? I mean, but she says it in such a way mm-hmm. that that's sort of the last straw for her. And also... I get the feeling when she says that that it's not something she seriously ever considered. Mm-hmm. It's just something that she knows people do, but not in her world. Yes, yes. So, so I think I think I like that part about this play. In fact, I think I was talking to A and Kathleen early on about should we play this as a period play because it it feels that way to me. But then I suddenly realize it's only because we're in a different country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. Um. A did or Kathleen? Did you want to chime in on something re- related to that? Um, I I I guess that also Sue, as a parent, um, yeah, child being, I would I would say assume being beaten up, that the parent, you know, you'd want to know why this happened, and bullying being such a, I just since we decided to do it as a current issue, uh-huh. that bullying in schools are a big issue. And if a child is repeatedly bullied, or and that's the fear for Veronica, is, oh my goodness, he's going to go back to school, and is he going to be picked on again? Hmm. So that's another reason to meet these parents to figure out what happened, because our son is not speaking at all about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's another thing um, that made it more important for the parents to meet in, 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 in my research or my imagination is that, you know, if you have a child that's being bullied and, and something this drastic, that, yes, you want to find out to make sure it never happens again. And if the child isn't speaking, maybe it's, you know, do everything you possibly can to help that child. And in finding out, you know, that maybe he started it <laughs> is also a big thing to wrap around for Veronica in her mind, you know, in her, you know, her morals and things like that. Yes, and we should say, tell a little more about Veronica in, in the sense that to, to give a um, give my listeners um, a more a fuller um, appreciation of her. She this is a woman who um, works in an art store in a in a um, in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Right, in yes. art, art history bookstore, and who is writing a book about Darfur? Mm-hmm. So she is, um, you know, she. <laughs> that, that's where her mind goes, and that's where she's. Uh, and she and she starts the evening by reading 
um, a, a description of what happened and, and wanting to get the other three people to agree to it. I mean, they're very, super civilized. And, right. um, and then, of course, when she learns that her son might have a gang... <laughs> <laughs> Even uh, and it's funny because you don't really. I, I, I mean, you, that's that's kind of has different connotations in France as in America too. The idea of a gang, but but it's just that you know how could that that couldn't be her son? So all of a sudden she's hearing something that she couldn't possibly have associated with her son. One thing I wanted to um, bring up while Graham was still on, and, and perhaps both of you can comment on this as well. You, I'm, I, you know, the the play that I saw actually in London, and I'm sure you all probably saw it too, the play Art um, is a play by uh, Yasmina Riza as well. The story of three friends who one friend, it's also in a living room, you know, just like this. It's in someone's living room. Um, it, all this, the whole play, there's so much to it, and it all um, comes forth in a living room. And so in Art, uh, it's three friends. One friend has just bought this super expensive painting, and it's just essentially a white painting. And he asks the friends what they think about it, and he's you know so proud of how what he just bought and so on. And and just like in this play, just like in God of Carnage, the the superficial story, the original simple story, is of you know that's about discussing the merits of this painting. And in God of Carnage, it's discussing this fight that the two 11-year-old boys have on a playground. But what really gets discussed and where it really goes is to the deepest fears and the deepest disappointments and so on of, of all of the characters. And to the point where by the end, um, you know, the bonds of friendship or the bonds of marriage or the bonds of, amongst the people in the, in the uh, room, in the living room, are all threatened, are all essentially, essentially fall apart because of these personal things that come out um, from the life story of, of the characters, where, at where, what they're supposed to be, you know, it's all, it's just supposed to be about art, or it's, but it's, when it's really not about that at all. It's about, yeah. you know, all these things that the characters are afraid to face in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I saw, I saw Alfred Molina perform um, the, 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 Character on Broadway, the uh, the character who actually bought the painting, and Victor Garber and Alan Alda were his invited friends who finally, you know, finally pronounced their judgment that he was a fool for spending all that money on a, a white mm-hmm. canvas. And he, in his uh, ultimate uh, defense, he he had this uh, monologue, this operatic aria that Yasmina wrote for him, wrote for any actor who played that role. And he literally stopped the show. Hmm. I mean, he just w- rose up to a level of rage that was almost incomprehensible and then clicked it up a couple of notches beyond that even before he finished hmm. with this tremendous sense of acceleration and um, elo- eloquence. And uh, literally the people started screaming in the room and hmm. clapping wildly. And, you know, you're thinking, <laughs> okay, we all understand what it's like to be pushed down against our sense of being a helpless child that can't do anything but scream. Uh huh. It was mesmerizing. She's that kind of playwright. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. she has it in all the the characters of this play. I think all of us in in you know and and I wish Courtney was here as well, Courtney Rackley. But I mean, you even in that other woman, you find 
you know, her rage at the end as well. I mean, it's... Uh, um, I think all four of these characters go on a... You don't... You see a different view of them from the from the start when you end as a, compared to what you begin with and what you think that they are mm-hmm. and how they end up is is quite the journey out of these four people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and alcohol just lubricates the mechanism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets it, it get, gets, gets it out there quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wants a little rum? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I've it's, had experiences with my own children where, you know, something really bad happened along these lines or, or something dangerous. Kathleen's invocation of bullying is apt. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you hear a story of something that happened. You weren't there, but it's amazing how it, it feels like it happened to you because you're related to this person that it happened to. And you feel like it, you know, it, it has something to do with, like, the way your own life is judged and your own sense of who you are and where you stand in a community and the the urge to actually talk about it and make it right is so overwhelming um i remember describing to this one little kid who had you know i mean it's it feels kind of scary actually for the idea that i was so willing to like immediately start talking to children i mean i did it in the presence of that child that child's parents but just, just say to the kid, you know, anything you do to any member of my family, you're doing it to me. Hmm. So, um, you know, bear that in mind the next time you think that you can just, you know, act out against any one of your friends. You know, you're not just, what you do is not just affecting your friend, it's affecting everyone who knows, knows and loves that person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um I know this is obviously getting to be um, a more and more serious problem that seems to be out of control in, in our in our schoolyards and and um, schools and and just all over. So you know it's uh, and it go, and it's getting and it's a lot worse than just knocking out a kid's two teeth. Not that that's not bad. Well, we need to take another break. This is going really quickly. <laughs> um, we will come back with my guest. We're talking about the play that is on at the currently at the Malibu Playhouse called God of Carnage. Um, in this last segment, I will be giving you uh, information as to how you can get tickets to see this play. I'm sure you may think we've told you the whole story, but believe me, we've just just touched some of the highlights and, and just the surface. It's, it's a lot deeper. Um, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. 
And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking to you today about uh, God of Carnage and drama and how we're all impacted by it, and I think you've gotten a feel for that and some of the things that we've been talking about. Um, my guests are Graham Clifford as the director-producer of God of Carnage at the Malibu Playhouse, A. Martinez, who plays Michael Novak, and Kathleen Dunn, who plays his wife, Veronica Novak. And Graham, I know you wanted to say something um, right when the, we were taking, had to take a break. So what, what was it? Yeah, yeah, I was just, I mean, you were talking about the, the sociological ramifications of the, what's going on with the boys and why they were acting out the way they were, and I was prompted again by what A said, which I thought was very touching and very, I mean, it got to me. And I just think, I just think, you know, say, I remember when I was a kid, I, I felt life was simpler, and I felt I was in more control of my life. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I think with the, with, the, with everything ranging from, from um, social media to the price of education to the this and the that and, the, and young people not being able to find a job, I never had a. I never had any issue finding a job. Everyone I knew could get a job out of high school, just like that, whether it was temporary or whatever it was. I think. I think. I think kids are struggling now with a lot of. With a, they they don't have control of their lives. They don't know where they're going. They feel that the world is, is you know, with all of the terrorism going on. I I just think the times are so stressful. That children act out more. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just think it's. I think, it, and I think it all boils down to not having, not feeling like you're in control, control of even your own life, let alone anything else. Yes. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. And parents, uh, presumably, feeling the same way and wanting to protect their children um, when their teeth get knocked out or anything else happens to them, and feeling. Somewhat helpless yeah, too. I, I think that I think that violence just comes out as a way of trying to deal with situations that they extreme frustration. They don't know any other way to deal with it. Yeah, you're here. So listen, Carol, uh, Carol. I have to leave. I'm sorry, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you in good hands. And <laughs> and it's been really, really, really interesting to talk with you. And um, I will. Um, Listen to the rest of the program later on, but I'm sorry, I have to. I have to sure. leave. Well, we appreciate for me. We, we appreciate your being on and, and all of your contributions. So now I'll leave okay. it to A. Martinez and um, uh, Kathleen Dunn. And um, uh, who would like to start? I just wanted whatever your last, you know, thoughts are. Something that you want to get in that we haven't talked about. Do you want to go, A? No, go, Kathy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Would you rather like a test. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't. Uh, well, uh, what I'm learning in this play is about different relationships. No matter if you're married or single, um, you come to this play, and there's conflict between 
within a marriage and uh, a partner that's not interested or disappointed in life anymore and how do you deal with that and how do you cover for that? My character covers that, doesn't address it and how that kind of comes out in the conflict of this meeting between the two couples. And then you see another couple across from you having another, a different issue. And again, it's, it makes me feel like I'm not alone in this, in just studying <laughs> these marriages and stuff. I go, okay, I've had that problem with the, you know, or that issue before in this relationship or that, you know, that type of thing. And even between um, Annette and Veronica, Courtney Rackley's uh, character, there's issues between women. Yeah. And, and also issues between the male counterparts. And it's amazing how this playwright has done this in less than an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And to make it funny, but make it heartbreaking. And when I think of it, yeah, it's a comedy, but for me, when I seriously think about these things, I have to really bring truth to that. And out of that comes the humor, hopefully. But yes. that's what I've learned about the, all the chaos in all types of relationships, either single, married, with the same, you know, with posing, you know, husband, wives, with another uh, person, in, you know, a male, female. Then, yes, you because know, that the loyalties, at first it seems like the loyalties, the husband and wife stick together, and, you know, it's, it's about the two boys, and so the two parents, the two couples, you think, and start to be um, sort of against each other, I mean, start to be... You, the alliance is between each couple, each part of the couple, and then, then the alliances start changing, and that, that's one of the fascinating things, too, how throughout the rest of the play, um, you know, the, each of the characters is aligned with somebody else for different right. reasons. And, and briefly, quickly. Yes. yes. Um, a? Yeah, I, um, uh, I, I so love the way you... Um, do your work, Kathleen. The way you oh, approach. Oh, you're. <laughs> I yeah. I get my ideas off of you. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, it's just it's so you know it's so deep and so legitimate. And I, when we when we bring it home every night, I I find it um, it's just effortless to um, go to the places that I hope I can go emotionally because because you're going there too, and it really you know I feel like I can just sort of tuck in, you know, and, and draft off you and just, you know, lift up into that place you go. Right. It's such, it's such, it's so great. It's so, Thank you. Um, and by the okay. end of the play, the, the the characters are saying, this has been the worst night yes. of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has been. <laughs> in a funny way. Yeah, I think one thing that, that, well, it's just a couple things come to mind. Jeff Daniels was talking about this play on Charlie Rose, who played um, Alan uh, next to Beale's character, the the lawyer character, the other man, and he was saying that a few days after a, a person stopped him on the streets in New York and said, "Just want to say, having seen the play, you know, my wife and I had a talk last night about um, our relationship that was, um, you know, really critical to the future of the relationship." So thanks for that. Hmm. You know, came to see a comedy, maybe. You know, it's advertised as a comedy, but there's so much um, opportunity to stop and contemplate questions that mm-hmm. really matter to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. couples and stuff, you know. One thing that's beautiful about it, and it's always the case on stage, um, is that, you know, whatever you whatever you walk out under the, uh, under the lights intending to do is going to be... Um, 
altered and shaped by what the audience tells you as you mm. go through the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That first night, um, you know, when we, after we had rehearsed it, you know, in solitude for so many weeks, to actually have people laugh and to laugh with such um, enthusiasm. Yeah. It, the hardest, it, it imposed, and it's not a surprise, but it was surprisingly difficult. The it was so hard not to fall apart in just the the general uh, joy in the room. Uh-huh. I mean, I was like, you know, they, it's so important to remember you you have you're not doing the play they're watching. You're doing you're doing the play. You're not watching the play. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. But you start to. I mean, I started to feel myself melt in the. You know, I was threatening to melt in the uh, <laughs> in the mirth in the room. You know was grateful that my character has a beard, so when it got, <laughs> at its very worst, I could start scratching my beard feverishly as a means of, like, venting the energy. <laughs> well, let but me, I want to make sure, because we're going to, um, this, we're coming to the end of our time soon, and I want to make sure that I have enough time to give people the information where they can go for tickets, because even though the characters say, this is the worst night of my life, it is certainly going to be one of the best nights of your life to go and, go. and be, be touched as well, to laugh at the black comedy, but also to be touched by the profound things that are, that are being said and implied in the play. So, yeah. you can get tickets by going to MalibuPlayhouse.org, MalibuPlayhouse.org. The performances are Friday at 8, Saturdays at 3 at 8, and Sundays at 3. So, Fridays and Saturdays in the evening, 8 p.m., Saturdays and Sundays, matinee, 3 p.m., and the, but right. the play closes on March 8th, so do not dilly-dally. <laughs> there are yeah. not yeah. many weeks left. And, um, and the, you know, there, there's, um, the performances are, are getting sold um, very nicely, so do not uh, wait. Again, go to MalibuPlayhouse.org. You can also find out more about the play, about the cast members. You can see them. Um, and uh, and be sure to, to get tickets. Again, it closes on March 8th. So thank you both for being on the show, and you did an incredible job in the play, and I wish you continued success. And that's A. Martinez as Michael Novak and Kathleen Dunn as Veronica Novak, his wife. And, and it really is, um, it really does take you to look at things in your own life that um, you can look at now from a somewhat safe distance through the characters. Mm-hmm. So thank you both, and thank yeah, you thank all you, for Carol. listening. Thank Great you, Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 